I would love to introduce tonight Holly Throsby, who is creeping around here. Please come and have a seat. We all know her probably firstly as a songwriter and musician, and then over the last few years as the author of two fantastic books, first Goodwood and now Cedar Valley, both of which I've loved very much. So thank you for writing them. Thank you, you for having me. So you've written six albums at the moment, six or seven, with Seeker Lover Keeper as well. Yes. Two novels. Yes. An album in between the two novels. <laughs> yep. Can I ask, are you writing something right now? <laughs> <laughs> right now? Are you kind of... Yeah, the right, right now, um, sort of you know, on the way here. Uh, yep. <laughs> no. But, yeah, no, I did start the new book ah, Okay, but Good. I've only got about one page and it will probably take me a little while to write a whole book. Oh, okay, so... we. Can't be ready for that next week. That's a shame. Okay. But as long as there is another one coming. And you've also just been uh, shortlisted for the Barbara Jeffress Award, for, um, which is awarded biennially, which is an award I hadn't come across before, which I think is wonderful. The best novel written by an Australian author that depicts women and girls in a positive way or otherwise empowers the status of women and girls in society. That's correct. That is what the Barbara Jeffers Award is all about. Yeah. yeah. And it's a bi- I think it's a biannual award um, and it's quite rich. They give you heaps of money if yeah. you win. Um, yeah. But I don't think I'm going to win and I haven't thought about how I'll spend all that money. All that money. Um, but yeah, I think that's a lovely award. I was particularly pleased um, to receive that shortlisting because I think Goodwood does, I hope it does, um, you know, celebrate women and... Um, various relationships between strong, hopefully interesting women. Um, and so, yeah, that was a really nice, that was a nice award to get. Yeah. So, shortlisted for and probably not win. <laughs> but still. But still. Still. But still. I mean, it's not the only award Goodwill was shortlisted for either. Um, and I guess before we talk about Cedar Valley, uh, who here has read Cedar Valley so far? It's not a test. It's more a spoiler kind of thing. Okay, well, that's fine. We won't talk too intricately about plot points then. But you have to because it's great and you won't you won't work out what's happening. Um, so before Cedar Valley, you wrote Goodwood. And I just want to bring that up because Cedar Valley is set in the same world as Goodwood, which I was very excited when I noticed. Oh, I'm glad yeah, you're yeah. excited by that because as a reader and a um, fan of any kind of fiction, whether it be television or um, books. I love a crossover. Um, it's, it's a, it's a favourite of mine. And so when I was writing Goodwood, um, I love the world of it. I love the kind of early 90s setting because, I, I mean, I chose that because Goodwood has a 17-year-old protagonist and I wanted to be able to write what it was like to be a teenager in an authentic way. And I was a teenager in the 90s, so I felt like I could write that authentically. You I did. did. You did. I was a teenager in the 90s in the Illawarra, so. Oh, I hope yeah. that it felt, I yeah, felt, so it was felt to, very real. for me to write a teenager <laughs> in 2018, I felt would not come across because I, I just didn't know if I could um, embody that without a significant amount of research. I mean, potentially I was being lazy, but I decided to set it in the <laughs> 90s. Um, I also do feel nostalgic about a pre-technology time um, when 
you know, the way that we communicated was definitely a lot slower and um, more face-to-face, um, more like hogging the telephone so nobody else in the family could use it. And so, like, kind of quaint ideas like that. Um, but I did love the idea of this town, which was kind of based on an amalgamation of towns that I've recorded albums in because I recorded all but one of my records on the south coast of Southern Highlands of New South Wales in various home studios. And so to create the world of Goodwood, I did name a few other towns that were in the region, the Gather region, um, as it was called in that book and as it is called in this book. Mm -hmm. And Cedar Valley was one of those towns um, where characters might sort of go and visit or return from. And so when I finished Goodwood, I realised that I had these other towns waiting for me. And Mm -hmm. Cedar Valley, because of some of the characters that had popped across there um, from Goodwood, I just couldn't leave it alone, I guess. And so I kind of thought that I would extend the world um, to include this other town that was sort of there waiting to be included. Um, And some characters, very minor characters from Goodwood do come across to Cedar Valley. Mm. Um, But for me, it's kind of more like a spin-off rather than a... It's not a sequel. You don't have to have read Goodwood to read this. No, definitely. Um, But... Yeah, I did really have Angel and Buffy in my head when I was yeah, thinking I of you. ideas <laughs> of the spin-off. Um, not so much Thomas Hardy, who of course made you know Wessex a famous literary tradition, or Kent Haruf, who is mm. a beautiful novelist who sets all of his books in a fictional town called Holt, Colorado. Um, but yeah, I really love when authors revisit characters or places, so I hope that readers might enjoy um, that with this book. Yeah, no, I think it... Um, I guess, does that mean that you had Cedar Valley as a town before you had the rest of the story? Because it's definitely a character. Was it yeah, your first character? Yeah, I did character? have it as a town and, it, and I knew that it was um, bigger than Goodwood um, and in my mind it was sort of situated somewhere around where Kangaroo Valley really is um, but it looked like Braidwood. <laughs> that's how I created it in my mind um, and that's how it's described in this book. Um, Braidwood has a very notably wide main road as does Cedar Valley and the pub in this book is directly based on the pub in Braidwood but so I had the town and I also had Benny Miller who's the main character Mm. um in my mind when I started off where did she come from um I'm not sure she just popped in there in the mind (laughs) um because it's set slightly before Goodwood as well Uh, no it's one year after is it one year after one year after um yes and (laughs) potentially maybe I mean there's a there's a there's a um, Jean, who's the protagonist, the, the main narrator in Goodwood, um, is 17 and potentially it's just an idea of a um, a very opposite t- type of person to, to Jean and just that much older. Um, Benny it comes to the town of Cedar Valley to find out information about her mother who has recently died. That's not hopefully not too much of a spoiler because you do find that out in the first or second chapter. But... Um, her mother's old friend Odette Fisher, who's sort of somewhat mysterious to Benny, owns a small cottage in Cedar Valley and says that Benny can come and stay there for as long as she wants. Um, and so Benny kind of jumps at this invitation and comes from Sydney. So you, you do get an outsider's perspective of a small town, whereas Jean was very kind of enmeshed in the community and telling it from the inside. Um, Benny, you get, you know, a city person arriving and her, um, her view of it. But it's really told from the point of view of of three different characters, um, Benny Miller and and then there's Cora Franks who owns the antique store, um, Cedar Valley Curios and Oldwares and then there's Tony Simmons who's a policeman who was actually in Goodwood Mm. for people who read it last week, you might remember if you read it a while ago, you wouldn't because he's kind of a jerk and has about three lines. 
But I, I enjoyed. Wondering if he was, because I'm like, did, was he in that? Yeah, and he I was a real. He's a real. Again, find out. He's a real this, butthole yeah. in that book, and he and Mac, who's the who's the policeman in Goodwood, um, kind of tolerates him. But I think readers would be really jarred by the way he kind of appears in that book, and I'm sure readers will be jarred by the way he appears in this book. Um, but I did really enjoy exploring him more and and making him into a, a real person. I think. Um, that was what I found. One of my first feelings about Cedar Valley is that it's really a story not just of Benny as well or of Odette, that, yeah, Cora and Tony and even the other townspeople kind of come into their own slowly. Like the, the mystery feels often – like there is a mystery. There is a very central mystery that it's very tricky and it involves uh, some nods to a real mystery and real true crime situation in Adelaide. Another kind of seemingly peaceful place, which has got a dark underbelly, like the Southern Highlands. <laughs> yes, when I, I saw, uh, I went on Myth Warhurst's radio show today and she said that she would call Adelaide the city of churches and shallow graves. And I've only yeah. heard the, <clears throat> the city of churches bit, but there are certainly a lot of very strange things that have happened in Adelaide. And yes, I do incorporate into this story a... Um, I was very influenced by a real-life Australian mystery um, from Adelaide from the late 1940s. Yes, which you can find out when you read the book. But that – and well, we can talk about that initial vivid sort of – in the first few pages, yeah, Benny arrives and a man – a well-dressed man sits down outside the antique shop and uh, just dies just during the afternoon, as you do. Um, and that – start is quite jolting in lots of ways but the story unfolds I felt like it picks up this speed which is lovely as you kind of spread out around all the people and I remember reading and listening to an interview actually with you a while ago when you said that you also liked Trim and Capote and there was a sense I felt in um, both Goodwood and Cedar Valley of kind of a a view from above, a view from outside of the sort of spreading intricacies of the small town and, and the mystery. Yeah, I was I was very much influenced by In Cold Blood when I was writing um, Goodwood and probably just um, still as an, you know, as an influence, less directly for Cedar Valley, but I, it always, it's probably always going to be one of my favourite books. I think that the thing that I think is so impressive about it is that obviously the subject matter is just so gruesome. I mean, has anyone here, many people read In Cold Blood? I mean, it's just awful what happens. Is the family um, just get brutally murdered by home intruders sort of gone wrong, I guess. Yeah. Um, but it's a small town in, in America, somewhere like Kansas or Arkansas. I can't even remember I think it's where Kansas, it is. Um, it? And But the way he tells the story is that you get... Firstly, it's incredibly funny, which is incredible that he gets that out of this story. But you get the whole town and you also get the killers and you get their kind of a, a quite a soulful um, account of, of them as, as real human beings, not just these kind of faceless demons that did this horrible thing. Um, and for me, I guess the point of using a mystery story, which in Goodwood I have, you know, there's two people that go missing yeah. from the town in Goodwood and in this there's this unusual man in a vintage suit who arrives out of nowhere and carks it on the footpath. Mm. Um, for me, it's just a, it's a really interesting way to then examine how the town then responds to said mystery and how it tests people or how it might reveal 
um, and uncover kind of questions they're having in their own lives. For example, Cora Franks, who runs the antique store, kind oh, my of my favourite character. Oh, good! I really liked Cora too. Um, she's excruciating. You'll hate her, but then you might love her <laughs> at the same time. Oh, but you um, go for her, don't you? You sort of go, yeah. No, you're getting there. No, that, um, that's a better <laughs> response. Um, yeah, she kind of becomes like acutely aware of her sort of ontological, you know, constitution given this event that happens and starts severely questioning everything. But I just sort of really like that. I enjoy, and, you know, with Benny and with what she's trying to discover um, through her relationship, you know, through getting to know Odette and trying to work out, you know, making some sort of sense of her mother. Um, it's just fascinating to explore the human psychology, but for using hopefully a narrative that's really pro 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 propelling. Was that the word yeah. I'm looking for? Yeah, propulsive. 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 Compulsive. <laughs> Both compulsive and propulsive. Yes, I didn't um, speak clearly. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, that was my problem. I was trying to describe it when I was reviewing it, and it it does because it picks up speed, and yet nothing really does happen any faster because it is the '90s, and it takes a really long time to get a fax through and a phone call and a drive to Clark, which is a place I've really hoped to go in the future. Yeah, well, tell me the nice? tell me the next book is in Clark because. <laughs> Um, yeah, Clark's the big town that everyone goes to and comes back from, and Clark's kind of the you know, the depressing, characterless regional commercial centre of the region. Yeah, it's so just misunderstood. I can't wait to go there <laughs> for my next book. Um, I think it's really interesting that what, what you were just saying then about how it will expose an environment or a, a community, a, a mystery that you don't actually. I mean, Benny does come from outside, but she quickly makes herself part of the town. That's what she's hoping to do. You don't have an outside investigator in a way, in, in either of your books. You no, and I am aware you, that that you, is the that is the, the trope of the small town yeah. um, mystery. Is but generally. that's what's great that you don't do that. That's wonderful. Yeah, well, was I, that quite conscious? Uh, kind of, but I guess what was more conscious was having fun with the police procedural um, in this mm. book. That was definitely. As a as someone who really enjoys crime fiction and um, and I love police procedurals, but this one is not the. I guess it's probably it just has more of an Australian kind of low key laconic sense of humour about it, which I'm hoping is exactly the way that our police really act behind closed doors. Yeah, it's um, a bit more daggy. <laughs> it's which it's is super daggy, yeah, and I think that I do have a real affection for Australian dagginess, and I hope that comes <laughs> through in these books. Um, but yeah, I did. I I was conscious of the fact that I did want everything to be encased within the town, and for me it's not necessarily the people that you would expect that are the holders of the most important information. And I think sometimes mm. we think in life that there's certain people that have the answer and that we need to find the answer from these important people. But in fact, I think everybody actually has the answer, but nobody mm. maybe does how to articulate it or doesn't know that, that in fact that answer does belong inside them. And so in this book, I, I enjoyed having revelation come from unlikely sources, for example, um, and having the police work kind of almost act in a way redundantly to yeah. the other people in the town who were a lot more connected to what was actually going on. It's almost like they're busy work. They just, that's what they do. So they keep doing it. <laughs> um, I think actually coming back to the award you've been nominated for and both of these books is that idea of the knowledge and the information and the story lying with an unlikely character. So 
there are still not that many books for adults narrated by 17-year-old girls in the 90s. No. Uh, there aren't that many sort of stories of small-town Australia which take the point of view of the, the younger woman and their relationships with older women as well and that interconnectedness of generations. There's a lot of women in these in Cedar Valley who hold a lot of information that they seem to let out in really natural ways in their own conversations which don't seem, for one thing, all the cops are men and they don't seem to come out so often, this information. Is that a conscious thing at all or is that just um, life? No, that wasn't <laughs> conscious. It's just, yeah, it is more like life, I guess. I think that, yeah, I understand that there's certainly not a great deal of small town, like queer fiction, for example, and yeah. um, Goodwood is is an example of that. Um, and yeah, it's but like I, a sleeper example yeah, of Australian queer fiction um, looking like small town fiction. Yeah, but I think that um, I also know there's a lot of strong tradition of small town stories, or you know, stories outback stories being you know we have this sort of outpost that's very isolated and therefore very scary and where horrible things happen and there's a kind of bleak cold feeling which is also something i've i've tried to very much mm. do the opposite of in these books yeah. um like i was going for a very cozy tone in goodwood and in cedar valley and that's kind of the way i wanted readers to feel about the stories like about it's more it was a really a tone feeling which potentially comes from being a musician because i think music is a lot about tone mm. um and around production and how you feel about a record and that kind of sense feeling it gives you so i wanted to create um towns that were really that you'd want to visit like you'd see the book on your nightstand and be like mm. i want to go back to that town but then also be able to to really delve into some really dark issues while amongst mm. that um, but without making it a bleak, cold space in the centre of <laughs> your soul. Yeah, which it isn't. They are they are cosy. That yeah. It, yeah, that cosiness is there. I remember finishing Goodwood myself while staring at a cow in a field, which was appropriate. That's very appropriate. Yeah, yeah. There Down on Phillip Island, there was a cow looking at me. I was in the second last page. I'm like, eh, hello. Um, and I got to sell it that way. I spent all of that, the Christmas that it came out explaining to people, if you've ever been looking for the, the book of your, you know, if you're a queer young person in the 90s living in small town Australia, staring at cows, wondering if a really cool girl was going to turn up, this is the book for you. <laughs> That's um, a large group of people, larger than we knew. I think that I think it is a large group of people. And when I I did do a reading event in, I won't say where, but it was a, a regional smaller town, mm. um, and they got to the questions. And this woman said, "I with it's about Goodwood. I really loved Goodwood. I loved I loved the mystery. I loved the town." But why did Jean have to decide to do that? Why did she? Why did that have to happen? That she you know went with this other went with this girl had this experience with this girl wasn't and excited I, by that boy no yeah. and i felt i didn't know how to answer that question i kind of just sort of said oh she that's uh, well firstly it's not a choice <laughs> i wouldn't have <laughs> characterized it like that and secondly what you know like i feel mm. i think she's and she sort of said that does that doesn't happen in small towns and i said i think i'm i'm afraid i think you'll find <laughs> that does happen that it does happen in small towns and it does happen everywhere um, maybe people aren't always as confident about it as Jean is. Mm. But I really wanted in Goodwood for Jean's mum to be clearly the reason why she is so confident. You know, mm. she's got this in really lovely relationship with her mother, which 
it's not really delved into, but just the surface of it, it's as clear with the tone, again, of their relationship, that she has this strong mother who gives her the courage to be who she is, and she has a strong grandmother as well who's doing the same thing, and therefore she can be herself. Um, in this book, Benny Miller has an entirely different mother figure um, and thus struggles yeah. significantly. Um, and, you know, mother-daughter relationships are so complicated, um, and I think the idea of a mother who's in any way estranged from their child is is still quite a taboo um, topic. It's not readily accepted in social circles for a mother to sort of not be around. No. Um, it always needs explanation. Yeah, whereas yeah. for some reason men not being around is just not quite as, you know, epic a transgression. Um so I was interested in exploring those issues as well in this book. Yeah. And there are some really poignant cows in Cedar Valley. There are yeah. some lovely cows in Goodwood, but the cows in this book I find even more poignant. Yeah, so. they, are, they are lovely. <laughs> there are a lot of cows involved in general, which is always a good thing. But, th- yeah, this woman that you had this reaction from, though, she did read the whole book, though. She did she, sort of... She, yeah, she yeah, did. Yeah. So, so that's, that's kind of an... an it's there's a win, isn't it? That she well... <laughs> It's a slow so maybe she threw it against the wall when she got to the end. She came to the event. Yeah, See, it's a slow, slow movement. I used to do the same thing with Sarah Waters' books. I'd give them to people to read and they say, oh, that's a twist I didn't expect. I said, oh, that's <laughs> yeah, so a good book. <laughs> you know, but I mean, is that part of the thing? I mean, is that a thing that you are thinking about? Did you expect any of those responses? Were you thinking of writing mainstream books that have queer content? Um, is that something that... It just felt like the, a natural thing for me to do mm. um, for that book. It just kind of arose out of the story and it felt like an, it, it just kind of came up. And mm. I wasn't going to sort of think, oh, no, I shouldn't do that. I question doing that. I thought mm. this is what I'm going to do and I wanted to do that. I also didn't want it to be... It doesn't kind of shout and wave and kind of pull attention to itself in the book. Like it, it, it happens, mm. I, I think, in an organic way, mm. um, in an appropriate um, s- sort of setting within the structure, I think. Mm. Um, I hope that's what I wanted to do. But, yeah, I guess I do think representation is important, though. Like on an mm. entirely separate level, having finished the book and being able to have hindsight and look back and think, mm. if I was a teenager I would have really appreciated that um, because there is still a massive lack of representation I think of queerness in fiction and of so many diverse issues in fiction Um, and as a parent reading books to my child um, I really struggle to find representation for our family you know like it's it's that is and children just need that they need to not feel like they're different or weird Um, and so I kind of feel like that certainly really draw my attention to how important representation is as well for her to yeah. be able to see that having two mums is like there's a, there's mm. a picture of another kid with two mums and how yeah. important that is for her to connect to that picture that's not her but that's someone else and that's important for her to yeah, share Yeah, you do realise, don't you, that, that there's so little. Yeah, in you, a very kind of, of yeah. I think it's a really kind of deep psychological sense of just needing to see yourself, a familiarness of yourself represented mm. back to you. And I think once we feel that comfort, then we can go and explore, you know, yeah. everything else that other humans mm. have to offer us. Yes. <laughs> and not siloed in its own area, but no, just within, I think within existing and embedded fictional and tropes exactly. and, you know, and fiction that's, you know, widely disseminated and received, which I think you did very well. I think that's definitely happened. So, 
I guess, what led you to write a novel in the first place? Was this always going to happen? Or um, Well, I'd written a lot, lots of songs mm. and I was starting to feel a bit sick of songs. Mm. Um, and I'd, I think I felt like I'd run out of stuff to sing about and stuff to say. And I felt like with songs, especially if you record and release under your own name, people expect all of it, your songs are autobiographical. So I felt really kind of penned in by that. Like I felt like I couldn't explore fiction in that medium because as soon as you start saying, you sing about something and your friend would say, you didn't do that. <laughs> but you, there's not much room there um, as a songwriter who performs like in that way. So I felt that and I felt that songs were so small and quite constrained by melody and phrasing and having to kind of get as, to be able to say what you want to say in song is such an art and it's quite, diff it can be really challenging. So I just, the idea of a blank page was sort of really exciting to me, but it really did come out, come out of an intense frustration with songwriting um, and then a kind of exhilaration at the possibilities of fiction. Um, but I really needed a lot of encouragement to do it. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people, there's probably people here that feel that they've got a book in them and that it's like an ambition. Um, I was always that person and it wasn't until this publisher approached me and said, mm -hmm. would you like to write a book? And I said, yes, I really would, but I have no idea where to even begin. And he said, we'll have a coffee and talk about it. And Goodwood mm -hmm. came out of those discussions um, and he the entire time I sent him mm. chapters 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 the entire time and he just said keep going this is really good encourage me I just don't think there's any way I would have done it if I didn't have that, that I just didn't have the structure and encouragement yeah the self-confidence yeah. to think firstly to know that it was good like to get to the end of a book you, you, mm. that's a huge investment to make so yeah. I feel like having someone there that you trust to tell you that it's not the worst thing they've ever read, is is what most creative people need. Um, so yeah, I was lucky. I feel I'm very very thankful t for him yeah. for that. And was it a very different process? I mean, you're going from as you were saying, quite small, well, concise sort of moments in songwriting. To, I mean, you wrote a crime novel. Which is, you know, plot heavy, is character heavy. Is it a crime sort novel? Sort of a crime novel. <laughs> a um, procedural, pastoral procedural. Pastoral procedural. procedural. <laughs> Small um, town procedural. I learned a lot about myself writing novels, which is that I'm actually really, like, I'm a disciplined person. Um, I was a really lazy songwriter, I think. I just kind of, whenever, it, you know, whenever the muse struck me, I would pick up a guitar and then I just never really pushed and pushed and pushed myself. Um, and with some regret, I think that because I wonder what would have happened if I'd pushed and pushed and pushed myself. Maybe nothing good, but I just never <laughs> tried. Um, and I'd heard of songwriters that treat songwriting like a day job and get up and get dressed and go to work in the office and write songs all day. And I just was, I had no energy or motivation or inclination to be that kind of songwriter. Um, but when you write a book, you absolutely have to be that person who spends so many hours every single day and then firstly working on it and then every single hour that you're not working on it, kind of half thinking about it. Um, so you are that kind of novelist. Yeah, well, then, yeah. I, then I realised that I could be that and I, then I loved it and I found, that, I found the challenge of the enormity of it so satisfying and 
loved how difficult it was and kind of can't wait to go back into it again. Mm. Um, even though some days you just hate everything and it's and you think it's awful and you feel really despondent and have zero ideas and then two days later you have a wonderful day that's very flowing mm. and then you feel high and lovely and then so it's a very tumultuous but ultimately yeah I, mm. I kind of enjoyed the process of writing the two books more than I've enjoyed probably any other creative work I've done oh, that's so, great for us yeah so, so it was really enjoyable <laughs> to me yeah. not that I you know with music yeah, I guess I, I, I think I, I'm so unskilled in a lot of ways with music. Um, to be able to just have a laptop mm. and just do it, I felt really liberating. Yeah. Um, Has it changed your songwriting when you went back to um, songwriting after Well, Goodwood? I released a record between these yeah. two. Um, Were you writing it between them? It was sort of in my head. I, I did mm. have to kind of be separate. But I do okay. see thematically connections between mm. the two books in the record that I released. It's called After a Time. And there's a song on it called Aeroplane and sometimes I sing that and I think it almost could be Benny's song. Like even mm. though it's um, it's about something entirely different and it's about something very close to me. Um, but I look at the themes of it and I think it could almost be her. And, I, and then some of the imagery, that, you know, mm. the imagery is kind of linked to the books as well. So I think in a way they're all just kind of connected. That, that tonal connection yeah. again a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think we're about to open up for questions which can't be about the plot of Cedar Valley, okay? We've done really well. We've barely mentioned it. Um, but just while people think about whether they, they have a question that they need to ask, not about the plot, um, I was just wondering, if you're starting to write again now, are you reading at the moment? What's on your bookshelf? Um, I was actually wanted to buy a book here um, because I wanted to read Normal People by Sally oh, Rooney. Sally Rooney. Has anyone yeah. else read that? I hear it's really good. I just finished... Um, they love it here. Oh, I good. haven't read it yet. I just finished the novel called Less, um, oh, yes. which, was, which won the Pulitzer Prize. Um, did you enjoy a, that? I did. It was yeah. a lovely example of... Well, it's a, it's, I mean, it's an example of... Um, I have a a friend who thinks that kind of ageing gay men are like the forgotten people because it's a, um, and it's a great book about all of those issues um, and it's just a really um, interesting read um, and I read a lot of non-fiction as mm. well um, I'm always reading non-fiction as well as fiction I read a lot of psychology books I read a lot about Buddhism because I find it really interesting um, so I generally have two things on the go that's at good. the same time. It's very disciplined though, just two. That's that's good. Yes. Yeah. Sometimes a few more. But yeah. That's, yeah, I happens. used to always um, kind of think it wasn't really reading if you had ten books. Hard, but mm. and now that's it is how I read. Yeah. Um, yeah. You get over that in a bookstore Yeah, I remember when I was in a, teen, a teenager, I thought you had to finish books. And now I just joyfully don't finish books. I'm like, no, I'm not interested. <laughs> you it's know, very like, liberating, yeah, isn't it? I just yeah, I just don't feel that way about it. I feel like there's only so much time we have every day. <laughs> and... If I'm not going to get a lot from it, I put it aside and go to something that I feel like I'm going to get a lot from. But that also depends so much on your mood. Yeah. Like some days you have a lot of energy for some a particular thing and other days it's just not the day. So. That's why you can't quite let go of it. You have to hold it on just for <laughs> later, maybe, maybe, maybe to come back to it. Um, does anyone have a question they'd like to ask? Oh, for. The setting is very vivid in both of your books. Um, you mentioned you did recordings in small towns in the 
Southern Highlands. Um, what other research did you do to sort of really hone in on the character of these small towns? Um, well, just travel mainly, which is the most enjoyable research you can do. And potentially that's why I decided to do this, so I could spend a lot of time um, in small towns and pretend like it was work. Um, but yeah, I mean, for this book, obviously with the Braidwood connection, I went there and... Um, but it's so interesting, you go to the towns and then the fiction becomes real because you go to the pub and it actually is exactly like, you know, the, the kind of the way that you'd imagined it and the locals really do talk like that. And, you know, and I guess I, I definitely keep um, an ear out for, you know, for turns of phrase that I find that I really appreciate. I think when you're from the city the beautiful kind of way that a lot of people in country in rural Australia speak, um, especially the old older people expressions and sayings and stuff, they this really stand out a lot. And I find so much poeticism and in those kinds of expressions. And so they kind of weave their way back into the book a little. Yeah, there's very a lot of dialogue in uh, Yeah, the Cedar, Cedar Valley, Valley is a yeah. lot is a lot more about um, you know, it's really driven by interactions between characters and and I really enjoyed writing that dialogue. Um, my partner's family are from the kind of Hunter, Maitland region and oh, I get some gems from her grandparents. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess I'm always just taking a little note. Um, her nan then reads my books and has a little chortle to herself, I think. <laughs> Short presented. Yeah. yeah. Any other questions anyone has? Oh, we covered everything. That's fantastic. <laughs> wow, good. Okay. Well, if that's uh, all the questions for tonight, um, Holly is very happy to stay here and sign books. Grab your copy of Cedar Valley and your copy of Goodwood if you don't have that yet. But no need to read them in any particular order, any order you like. Both are wonderful. Both make great presents. I'm giving them to lots of people. <laughs> also because I come from the Illawarra and they all know where these books are set and the Southern Highlands, so... There'll be a lot of giving people, oh, remember, that's just where you're from. Uh, but we can all do that. It expands to Victoria. It's appropriate to all small towns. Um, thank you very much for being here and thank you talking for having to us me. tonight. Um, it was a wonderful conversation. And uh, thank you, everyone else, for coming and braving this weather. And hope to see you next time. Thank you to Alan and Unwin. And thank you to the rest of Readings for having us here tonight. Thanks. Bye.